Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network is a Moonsault Media production and is intended for private use only. For more information, contact RetromaniaPodcast at gmail.com. The following recording is a production of Kicking Out at Two in conjunction with the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network and is intended for private use only. For more information, head on over to facebook.com forward slash kicking out at two or our Twitter handle at kicking out two, along with searching Retromania with a W on any and all podcast platforms available to listen to archive shows such as this and all the great content of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Ever reading content at your fingertips anytime at your listening pleasure. And with that being said, we thank you for listening and hope you enjoy the show. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays from Marking Out the Days, the rebrand season. This is a special Christmas episode. I'm one half of the coasting squad. Kobe Knight, I'm not, I'm not Santa. Uh, I'm joined here with Dave Rosenblut. Dave, how's it going? What's up, Kobe Claus? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm always in the holiday spirit. This is one of my favorite times of the year. Um, from Survivor Series on to uh, on to the big Christmas Day and then Royal Rumble. I always talk about it. These three months are fucking awesome for wrestling nostalgia for me. And uh, uh, what a match we're going to be watching here. Yeah. Speaking um, of. We're, for those of you that have pressed play, hit the download button and uh, have tuned in. Um, we are covering the 40th anniversary of the Ric Flair, Kerry Von Erich, NWA World Heavyweight Championship match from December the 28th, 1982 from World Class Championship Wrestling's Christmas Star Wars event. We thought we'd take a little bit of a different route, a different approach. Uh, usually we cover a lot of WWF, a lot of WCW. We've thrown a little ECW in there. And I thought, why don't we go a different direction and cover a little World Class and the reason why we're covering this, well, there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it takes place in the month of December. If the show fell on Christmas, the episode aired three days after Christmas. But it's also the 40th anniversary of one of the hottest wrestling angles in the history of the business. Not just world class, but the history of the business when Michael P.S. Hayes, who was the guest referee in this match, turned on Kerry Von Erich and launched the Freebird Von Erich feud that pretty much set the territory of world-class championship wrestling on fire for the next few years. So I thought it would be kind of fun to go back. I've never watched this before. I've watched the clips on the world-class uh, DVD that WWE produced a number of years ago. I've, I've read stories about the angle and, and, and how things transpired. So I thought, let's go back and watch it with all of you on the Peacock. Um, here on Marking yeah. Out Today's The Rebrand Season for the month of December. Closing out 2022 in style, if you will. In public, if you will. On podcast, if you will. Yes, indeed. Uh, I, I don't think I've seen this in its entirety either. Um, but a classic feud, a classic um, angle as well. And uh, just this WCCW is something that like you said, we haven't really covered. Um, so we're going to have a lot of uh, to talk about here, about the uh, what was going on at the time before Black Saturday. Um, an interesting time in the industry, as it was. Yeah, I mean, this is a few years before. What year was Black Saturday? Was that 86? 84. 84. 84. Okay, 84. All right. 82, um, 
we're starting to see a little bit of the national expansion, uh, the early stages of it with the World Wrestling Federation. Uh, but world class is 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 rolling. Um, a very hot territory, uh, and we could talk about you know the. The, the possibility of expansion or not as we watch this. But yeah, there's a lot going on um, in the early 80s that really, each year it just keeps building and building. And and I'm, I was born in 83, so I wasn't alive when this match took place. But things I've read over the years is that um, 82 to 84 really set the table for what would be the big boom in wrestling. Yes, and... Um... Uh, more or less television on wrestling, wrestling on television. Um, yes. And the popularity of it um, on a national level. Um, we'll we'll get into it more as we go through this match and uh, kind of dissect and divulge things, uh, um, you know, have a, have a few uh, lead-ins to, uh, I don't know, I, I kind of have some comparisons to this time in, and now what we're experiencing in 2022 as wrestling. Um, so we'll get into that as we get into the match. Do you want to get this going? Yeah, let's do it. So grab your peacock, and you're going to yeah. click on the WWE Hub, the page, if you will, of Peacock. And then you're going to go to the Territory section, and you'll see World Class Championship Wrestling, the logo. There's a couple different World Class events. There's World Class Championship Wrestling. There's World Class Championship Wrestling Star Wars. But you'll go to World Class Championship Wrestling, and you'll go to Season 1, Episode 54, December the 28th, 1992. It runs about 45 minutes. Ric Flair versus Kerry Von Erich for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship inside a steel cage with Michael P.S. Hayes, Freebird Michael P.S. Hayes, as the guest referee, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy as the gatekeeper. So uh, he's going to be outside the cage, if you will. This episode was was aired three days after the Christmas um, Star Wars event. So this episode is... Solely dedicated to the Flair Kerry Von Erich World Championship match. The episode prior to it, which aired on the 27th of December, shows some highlights from that event, including the Freebirds teaming with David Von Erich to go after the six man tag team titles, as well as an 18 man battle royal. So, um, yeah, some of the preliminary matches from the Star Wars. Yeah, but this is the last episode of the year in 1982. And we'll be watching it with all of you on the Peacock. So, when I say play... Uh, I think we should... I, th- I think... Sorry. I think we should start out with the audio in this one. Uh, Bill Mercer introducing us to the show. Give that old school vibe feel. Um, do you want to do the audio or I can do the audio? Uh, how about you do the audio? Okay. That, all right. Is that cool? Does that work for yep. you? Okay. Yes, indeed. So, without further ado, in three, two, one... Press play. Tonight, from Reunion Arena in downtown Dallas, Texas, it's World Class Championship Wrestling with Wrestling Star Wars Reunion Arena and the World Heavyweight Championship match featuring the champion, Ric Flair, and the challenger, the uncrowned heavyweight champion of the world, and... The modern-day warrior, Kerry Von Erich, challenging for the heavyweight championship. This is a rematch. And the background and the history of this is one of the young All-American boy challenging for that championship that he has been, well, been brought up to want for his entire life. The son of Fritz Von Erich and a family of tremendous wrestling background. 
And so tonight here at Reunion Arena, World Class Championship Wrestling brings you the World Heavyweight Championship. Kerry Von Erich challenging Ric Flair. Woo! And I love that song too. Uh, brilliant uh, intro there from Bill Mercer, just giving us a little bit of background information on this match. Kerry Von Erich, the uncrowned champion, because his father, Fritz Von Erich, a member of the NWA for a long time, um, had big time wrestling, and they had just switched the name over to World Class Championship Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fritz von Erich never won the big one, but he wanted one of his boys to. Uh, so much so that David, Kevin, Carrie, Mike, uh, shit, even Chris, all got involved in wrestling. Yeah, um, there, there's been stories over the years that have been documented by fans and uh, individuals in the industry alike, as we see clips from a previous Ric Flair, um, Kerry Von Erich match. I believe this is the two out of three falls match that led to Kerry getting another opportunity. Um, it, it's funny because I was just doing some research this year in '82. Flair only wrestled like three times for World Class. Um, he was the well, traveling- he was the traveling NW, yeah. Yeah, he was the traveling NWA World Heavyweight Champion. And uh, Flair Flair wrestled for World Class, and uh, I believe he wrestled an individual on television by the name of Al Madrid, who was at the time yes. the 14th ranked contender, as well as um, uh, Carey in, um, in in this two out of three falls match. I don't, I'm looking for the research here to see um, if who the third person is. But anyhow, long story short, in storyline... Um, it was uh, Gary Hart who managed the great Kabuki was doing a favor for Ricky Flair, as he would say. And uh, Kabuki had challenged um, Kerry Von Erich um, prior to the cage match to kind of soften him up for Ric Flair. Um, but an event in yeah, Oklahoma. Uh, now, here's another interesting fact about this this rivalry in this match. Well, well, let me let me let me elaborate just a little. Okay. Gary Hart, uh, uh, Ric Flair put a uh, a bounty out on Kerry Von Erich. Yep. Uh, and, and Kabuki and Magic Dragon and Gary Hart uh, would all come after uh, uh, Kerry Von Erich, and he would have to fight them off with the helps of his brothers. Um, and, and it's so funny that later this would happen to Ric Flair leading up to the original Starcade. Yes. And it's funny, too, because uh, as I was doing my research, I guess earlier in the year in Florida... Um, they ran a similar angle with uh, Flair and Butch Reed, uh, the the bounty angle. So uh, it's it was a very popular. I mean, and it's funny too because you know territories. The advent of cable wasn't a thing in in '82, um, and so being able to run these successful angles in the different territories was it, it was kind of neat that like this region had never seen anything like this before, but they ran the same exact angle in a different region in a different territory um so it was like you know working a fresh audience but um yeah gary hart's h&h enterprises would become a surrogate in the territory of dallas for doing flair's dirty work um heading into the match with uh carrie von eric inside the steel cage yeah i mean talk about uh forbidden door quote unquote you have this company called wccw and then the NWA champion who's traveling comes around. Uh, it's very similar to what we what we see 
seen recently with AEW, uh, ROH, NWA was involved briefly with uh, AEW mm-hmm. um, at the beginning. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on NWA's standing now in 2022 uh, compared to 82? They're 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 losing grasp of of the wrestling business, so to say, because everybody's got their own promotions. <laughs> yeah. Know? Um, um, I don't. I'll be honest with you. I don't watch a lot of NWA. I'll catch clips here and there. Um, I actually had this discussion with uh, someone else recently uh, after watching the uh, the clip of uh, Tyrus Funkasaurus, uh, his second rope, yeah, jump off the second rope and his very anticlimactic landing, very safe landing, I should say. Um, anyhow. Um, I don't watch a lot of NWA, so I really don't know. Uh, throughout the course of the last year or so, it seems like they've gone through. They've become the victim of, um, you know, talent departures. Guys, I mean, it's a young upstart promotion. Billy Corgan's investing his own money into building it, and he he manages to, you know, he, so far I think he's done a pretty solid job with getting them uh, some kind of streaming service with Fight TV. They're all over YouTube. Um, it's giving guys opportunities, yeah. but it's I, I I would imagine it's not paying a whole lot uh, to the talents involved. Um, and he's been publicly a big proponent on working with everyone. Um, he's worked with AEW. Uh, he's worked with um, Ring of Honor briefly before they shut down. I, I believe Billy Corgan also. Um, he's even expressed interest working with WWE because. Corgan's got something that WWE doesn't have, and that's the um, some of the some of the the contents of the the NWA library that I believe the Savoldi. Yes, I believe he bought that footage from the Savoldi family, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know Correct. exactly what territory it was, but he's got some footage that that that's not on the 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 network, the Peacock, if you will. As we see Ric Flair making his way down to the ring inside the cage, getting ready to square off defend the NWA world title. Um, but um, with the, the 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 possible exit of Nick Aldis at the end of this month in December, um, they're, they're surviving. But I don't find, I mean, there's nothing that comes out at me that grabs me and I'm like, ooh, I got to check this out. The, no. last, time, the no. last time I felt that way about NWA was... When Matt Cardona, the former Zack Ryder, won the NWA world title. Because to me, this year, in the last year or so, he's been on fire. He's been on a roll. Um, yeah. You know, when it comes to his character progression and how he's been able to take his brand and move it around the indies. He's been the, the antithesis of, of, of hardcore wrestling fans. And I don't mean hardcore diehard wrestling fans. I mean hardcore as in like blood and guts type wrestling fans. Um with with GCW and he's managed to take that persona and he transformed it into a run as the NWA World Champion, which I thought was genius. Um, and unfortunately, he got hurt and had to drop the title. And I feel like the NWA has been trying to play catch up ever since. Uh, with you know, yeah. Murdoch uh, and now Tyrus is the champion. I think Aldis, you know, was involved in the title picture. Um, they're not the same. I, I get, it- I get, they're trying to hold on to the lineage. But while at the same time trying to progress, they're a throwback. But I, there's there's nothing that I've heard that I've read because I'll read about you know angles that they're doing. I don't follow a lot, but I'll read about stuff. But nothing like comes out at me, and I'm like, I gotta watch this. You know? No, I think to your point, the last uh, 
good little bit of, uh, you know, relevancy that they had was Matt Cardona winning that title. But then he was sidelined with an injury. Um, and I think they just have a lot of setbacks. Uh, and some of the stuff is too little too late. Nick Aldis, that run was great. Uh, some good matches with Cody um, trading the belt back there. But then, yeah, uh, after Cardona gets sidelined, uh, I think he was going to be a, 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 like they were going to put a rocket behind him and have some I think good, so uh, good, good storylines going or progressing. And he could put on some great matches and maybe even bring that NWA title to uh, GCW and uh, get mm-hmm. some um, exposure there or, or some some uh, working agreements there. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Trevor Murdoch winning the title. Good for him. Not yep. my favorite, not nope. my favorite choice, uh, but, you know, they had to do what they had to do. I think Nick Aldis, in his most recent interview, pu- just puts it correctly. It doesn't pass the Harley race test, dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is there is no validity to this version of NWA compared to what we see right now with NWA. Uh, it doesn't feel as grand with the 10 pounds of gold because those mm. those 10 pounds of gold episodes on YouTube were really good, you know? Yeah. It, it really got it really got me behind James Storm, a yeah. guy who I particularly never liked, but I was like, wow, he's good. And Eli Drake, uh another name that 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 shined in NWA when he got some promo time, who has yep. now been acquired by WWE. So, I think LA Knight, yeah. The, yeah, these guys these guys get this shine and this exposure, but it's 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 not enough, and then they get picked up for bigger and better paydays. Uh, if Nick Aldis were to go to WWE, kudos to him. I could yeah. definitely see him and Drew McIntyre. Uh, I can see him and Sheamus. I can see him and anyone. Yeah. Really. Yeah. He's um, he, he's, he, he's he's a great. throwback. He's a throwback that I think would fit well in that in, in the WWE environment currently because I think Triple H understands and respects the tradition of wrestling. Um, I don't think he would be as successful in AEW, and that's not because of his talent skill. I think it's the fact that they and you know someone some someone someone chastised me recently on the internet for being so negative about about uh, no. about uh, AEW, but uh, they have a, a crowded roster, overcrowded guys that. You know, have all the talent in the world are hardly on TV. I mean, I could, and I had this conversation with my brother recently. You know, give me FTR, Andrade, Miro, Alistair Black, and, um, you know, give me those guys and, and, and Keith Lee. And they could all go back to WWE. And I think they would be better served going back there under the Triple H regime. Um, as opposed to what they're doing currently in AEW. But this isn't, you know, I, I didn't really want to get too far down the weeds when it came to AEW as we see the matches uh, just getting underway. we got two referees in there, which is weird. Uh, Michael Hayes with uh, no shirt on and uh, acid-washed uh, mom jeans. And then you got Terry Gordy on the outside as the gatekeeper. David Manning is the official official in the match. Um, uh, yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. Um, the two referees, the enforcer. Um, and the Freebirds were 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 faces at the time, correct? Correct. Yeah, they uh, Michael Hayes arrived in October, and um, he debuted and made uh, short work of the lower card heel Tom Renesto. Uh, there, and then you know he had um, he had promised that he had friends on the way, 
that we're going to back up the Von Ericks. So they had an alliance with the Von Ericks on television. But Hayes and Gordy were, um, you know, it slowly trickled in Gordy and then eventually Buddy Roberts. They were a big act in Mid-South. Um, huge act as, as a three-man team in Mid-South. And they, they, they brought them in as baby faces to, to kind of set the table for um, their rivalry with the Von Ericks. Show that sh- they needed a reason for them to wrestle the Von Ericks and then befriending them and then turning on them because of this, I think, was a perfect opportunity. And it obviously worked because it set that territory on fire. Um, yeah, I also, I, I, I believe Michael Hayes and Flair had a, a previous feud as well. So there was some, or, or a previous match, maybe. Right? Yeah, or maybe I that comes a little. I don't think it was on World Class, though. I think it might have been. No, I know. Like uh, a mid yeah, like just... South match. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But throughout the course of this storyline, hanging into this match in the fall, um, Fritz was on TV for a little bit. Um, and he and the, the, the rest of the boys claimed to ha- have truth behind the theory that Gary Hart was the one that had been paying Ric Flair to eliminate Kerry. Um, during a heated interview segment, Fritz produced a copy of a check written from Gary Hart for services and expensive uh, and expenses. Surprise! He didn't forge it and cash it himself. <laughs> um, Fucking money hungry motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. That's okay. Um, and then I, I believe during this during this rivalry too, they would introduce King Kong Bundy as a protege yes. to Gary Hart as well, um, who was kind of doing the bidding for Flair. He was the, he was the big heater, if you will, as a part of uh, H&H Enterprises for Gary Hart. Um, and mind yeah, you, I'm reading, all the, I'm reading all this previ- based, on, based on, you know, um, things that have transpired. I didn't witness this live, obviously. I was not born. I was not a... Actually, wait a minute. Well, let me think. December 82. I was born January 83. So, yeah, I was... My mother was eight months pregnant. Almost nine months pregnant, going on nine months with me as this. So I was ready to pop out of the womb. Well, wow. as this match was, as this match had taken place. So January, wow, good of 80, thing, good thing Terry Gordy was born. Good thing Terry Gordy or Michael Hayes wasn't your doctor, and they would have slammed the gate on you. Yeah, I know, right? Ah, <laughs> Ching. Um, but this is, uh, I believe, this is the second run for Flair as champion. Nah, um, no, this is the first. Or wait a minute. Oh, this is the first. Yeah, this is the first, and I believe this because he out. wins it as a face, and then he turns into a heel. Yeah, he beat Correct? Dusty in Kansas City, which Flair has gone on to gone on record to say that that was one of the worst matches ever. It was a it was an NWA politics thing. Um, the, him getting the title, he didn't like the match, and he doesn't really. He doesn't talk about it in high regard, although um, as the traveling NWA champ, he had done pretty good business in different territories between Mid-South uh, as well as uh, Dallas uh, this year in 82. But it wouldn't be till the following year, about 11 months later, where his career really started to take off after defeating Harley Race in 83 at Starcade. Yes. Uh, he, he gets turned face... And then uh, in a bounty they, hunter they, angle, they yeah they put a bounty out on him. Uh, Rick, I'm sorry. Uh, what's his name? Harley God Race. Damn it, R- Roddy Piper and uh, Greg Valentine and Bob Orton. 
uh, no. are of of the likes that that go after Ric Flair. Are you sure about that? Because Piper and Valentine were in a heated rivalry going into that Starcade. Uh, a Piper eventually turned face, but oh, he did. Uh, at the beginning, okay. at yes, yeah. Um, but it was Valentine and I know and Bob Orton, Orton and Dick Slater were like Dick the two Slater main, as well. Yes, main yeah. culprits in, heading into the angle. But I had no idea that Valentine and Piper had involvement in it either. Yeah, I, I think because uh, Valentine and Flair were former tag team partners, uh-huh. and uh, there yep. was some history there between them. The plane crash, too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. With so Johnny, with Johnny um, Valentine. It's crazy because, you know, the, these guys are blowing up on the scene, but for the past almost uh, five to six years, these even more for Flair, these guys have been traveling and doing live shows and going to, through the territories and getting um, noticed in certain uh, TV markets that were just isolated. So... Um, national stars here finally getting that that big exposure that they want yeah um this is the boom period man yeah this, this is, is the, awesome this, this is the beginning stages i mean it was harley race told a great i i i listened to an interview once a shoot interview with harley race uh where um there was a great story he told about meeting vince mcmahon shortly before the starcade match um there was some uh, behind the scenes backstage politics between himself and the NWA regarding um, uh, the champion being a, a, a focal point of Harley's territory um, going forward. And back then there was no contracts. Everybody worked on a handshake. And so, you know, there was no internet back then. There was no, um, there, there was no text messaging, nothing like that. So Harley had set up a meeting with Vince, Vince Jr. And this was right around the time where Vince Jr. was looking to make, um, he was in the process of expanding. And he was looking I to I want to buy up. your TV time, pal. Oh, no. He, wa- he, he wanted Harley Race to take the NWA world title and show up on WWF TV. And oh, that's right. They had a meeting in, at a restaurant in Stanford, and they went into the bathroom <coughs> um, at this restaurant. And... Vince offered to offered him, you know, three quarters of a million dollars, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to 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 join the World Wrestling Federation, bring the NWA World Title, and pretty much dismantle the NWA in a single in one fell swoop. And Harley Race looked at him in the mirror of this bathroom and said, um, "If I if I decide if I make that choice, there's one per." He go, no, he says to Vince, "What do you see in the mirror?" And Harley, you know, Vince says, I see two men conducting business. And Harley Race goes, yeah, well, I got to look at one of them in the mirror if I make that decision. And he politely declined. And, <coughs> and he went about his way and traveled from Connecticut all the way to uh, Greensboro, North Carolina for the Starcade match. And there was questions regarding if he was going to make it to Starcade that night. Because, like I said, there's, the word got out after a couple of days that Harley met with Vince. Uh, and so, like I said, there's no cell phones. There's no text messaging in 83. And Harley Race showed up uh, probably about the third or fourth match into Starcade, and kicked everybody out of the locker room and looked at Flair and said, I'm here for you, kid. I'm doing business. And that was the end of it. And that's when we saw Ric Flair um, christened as 
the the flagship, the face of the National Wrestling Alliance following that steel cage match with him at Starcade. So in a roundabout way, Vince McMahon has taken over the wrestling business and you know, as innovative as he was at this time, um, he, he had some ruthless, ruthless business tactics. Mm-hmm. Um, um, he essentially created that Ric Flair moment uh, with Harley Race, you know, wanting to put Ric Flair over and, and stand by the NWA mm-hmm. for the first Starcade. Yep. Um, and then later, when he purchases GCW in the time slot in 1984, the following year when WrestleMania is launched, there's a group that is kind of forced to be put together when Ole Anderson and uh, and Gene and Ric Flair and um, and J.J. Dillon form the Four Horsemen. So in a roundabout way, like Vince McMahon is kind of doing this stuff, but still elevating the other competition because Ric Flair and indirectly the NWA his actions stuff. have have caught indirectly Correct. his actions have caused. Yeah, if I'm mis- Correct. I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe Gene was a part of that. I no, it was it was it was only only oh, Arn Flair and Tully. Yes. Yeah, but I think Gene. Uh, I'm 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 sorry. I don't I don't want to I don't want to speak without fully knowing. I think Gene was uh, was involved at first, and then uh, Oli uh, Maybe. kicked him to the curb. Or, yeah. No, they kicked Oli to the curb later. Later, um, but yeah, replaced, I, yeah. I, as the best of my recollection, Gene was never a horseman, unless it was but, something. So, was, so unless it's something that was done, at, you know, at a, at a TV or uh, on a live event, and then it quickly. Um, it, it quickly changed, but not to cut you off here. I do want to make mention as we're watching this match. Um, What's our timestamp? Currently, we are at twenty-two minutes and forty-one seconds um, awesome. of this forty of this forty-five minute uh, encounter here. But uh, I want to make mention that I found interesting with Hayes in the ring as the other referee. Um, when Von Eric went for the cover a couple of times, both referees went down to make the cover, which I thought was interesting. Yes. Um, yeah, and, and they were in to, sync. Yeah, exa- I was just gonna say that they were both in sync. Um, what 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 I found really interesting was Hayes was checking the checking the shoulders, whereas the other referee David Manning was not. Um, mm. Something I something I just found uh, rather particular and interesting. But um, well, because yeah, I now- know how to wrestle, he don't know how to wrestle. <laughs> Come on, Batman. And he hardly and he hardly even knows how to book. Yeah, he don't know. I know how to book. Oh, good <laughs> lord. Look at that blade job there. And oh, yeah. a, a, a thing something I want to point out. Uh I did kind of notice Flair doing the blade job. That's only because I know, but it wasn't as fucking obvious as we see nowadays. Oh yeah. Uh, John Moxley. John Moxley. I'm looking at you. I can fucking see you grabbing your wrist tape and blading right in front of the camera. Why do they what, like the illusion of, of wrestling at this time was was so much better. Like yeah. I, I know we know that they you know they blade or they they're they're up playing an injury to the utmost, but like let's 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 let it let it be organic, not like mm-hmm. this. I don't know. I don't like the. I don't like the. Uh, oh, we know. So what? Who cares? He's blading. It's like what the fuck? I, I, I no. Yeah. Like uh, I can't get behind it. 
it makes it makes me it makes me really fall out of the suspension of disbelief that I loved about wrestling that I love about wrestling. I mean, you'll, um, you'll, if you go back and you watch older stuff, you'll be able to find like if you're looking for it. If you know that yes. it happened, you'll be able to find it. You'll see the referee slip it, or the guy will have his face yeah, but down at on least the mat. there's some discretionary. His, pull it out. Yeah, from but under at his least tongue. they have some. They have some discretion there. Oh, I get it's you. It's not just right in front of your fucking face. Yeah, the, no, I get I you. Know. The production behind it, and I think that's a lot of the reasons why they don't do it anymore. Not just because of the health and safety concerns, but because I don't think there's a way they can produce it without the illusion anymore. Uh, unless you are so obvious a guy gets hit in the head with a chair, he rolls out to the floor and he goes under the fucking ring because we've seen that before, you know, which isn't terrible, but we get it. We know what we're doing. But, um, yeah, Flair definitely got a gusher in this one. Um, Okay, uh, next question. Do you think it was too little too late with uh, Kerry Von Erich finally becoming the world champion uh, after his uh, brother's unfortunate passing in uh, 1984? Um, you know, I, I can't, you know, I, I, because I wasn't, I wasn't watching wrestling then I was one years old. Um, I can't really say from that perspective then, um, but do you think they gave him the title out of sympathy or like hundred percent, hundred percent because they needed, they needed a feel good moment, which it worked and I don't begrudge them for doing that at all. I don't, I don't, I have no issue with it whatsoever. Um, because the oh it oh it worked and then we had that show the the uh, to honor him and then when my other son died we made some more money off that one too yeah <laughs> uh, are you looking forward to the Iron Claw movie I am I'd like to see yeah I, I definitely am um I I don't I yeah I am that, that's it's I mean, it's I gonna be it, it it's gotta be one of the darkest stories in professional wrestling mm-hmm. minus minus Crispin. Yeah. But uh it, it it is one of the most uh I guess thematic um events that could be told. Yeah. Uh, the, with, the, the, with the world class story has been told for decades. I mean it's it's the promotion that, that could have been. Um and yeah, but a with a A24 production and uh, and and some good actors in there, and uh, MJF signed on to be Lance Von Erich. Yeah, um, which I was kind of, you know what? I, I, I mean, he does have that look to be Lance, but at the same time, I was kind of hoping he'd pull off the Gino Hernandez. Because he's, he's such a good bad guy, and Gino Hernandez that was could such be a, a swerve. great bad guy back, in, back, back during those days in world class. Um, but let, let, let's talk about what could have been with world class. Um, you and I could probably both agree uh, that um, Fritz and the family dynamic really was a was a detriment to the promotion. Well, True at first, it, it at first it was uh, long term, long long term speaking. Oh yeah, for sure. But I yep. mean, at you know, at first these were like small studio shows where the 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 getting to know those wrestlers and. Uh, having that following, you felt like you were part of the family yep. and they were over like Rover in Texas. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm telling the, they are still over in Texas. Yep. Um, but and WrestleMania was a- in Dallas in 2016. My brother went, attended that event and there was, he was at the hotel and he managed to grab, uh, he managed to grab a local newspaper 
and they had a feature on the Von Erics and their impact in wrestling at, to coincide with WrestleMania being in Dallas. Uh, that was in 2016, I believe, when he when he attended. So um, the the mark they have on the the area still exists to this day. Um, but what I meant by like the long term hindrance of the promotion. Um, Yes, they were over like Rover. Yes, they were. They were essentially like they were. They, they were the equivalent of like a high school football team, a successful high school football team. You know, they were like all the Von Eric boys were like the star quarterback or the star running back. Successful college team. Yeah, well, even that too. Yeah, you could make an argument. Yeah, regionally they were the they were the locals. They were the hometown boys, yes. and I think that's and because they they presented that family dynamic so well on television, and because they were local. It, it it hit it hit so much more with the audience, and even when their deaths took place, you know, like you said, you watched the show, you felt like you were part of the family. Well, you felt like you lost a family member when when David Von Erich had tragically passed away in '84. Um, but the long term hindrance of the promotion, I think, was the family dynamic, and many can that argue, and that and the 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 change in the cable. Stuff, well, man. I was gonna. Uh, well, yeah, I was gonna get to that point. Is that they they had chances to expand because they were so hot and go, and go outside of their territory, and Fritz refused to do it. He wanted to stay they, with they, Dallas. They withdrew from the NWA in, in 1986. Yep. At, at a time when you're getting AWA, NWA, WWF, all these different uh, wrestling programs on television. Uh-huh. Um, I think they they were ran thin with um, the overhead and the lack of talent that they were they were able to use because mm-hmm. of this this big buyout from Vince McMahon and Jim Crockett Promotions. Um, th- those guys had money to spend yeah. on wrestlers that wanted that exposure, and this being a regional territory considered, um, th- they stuck with guys like Brian Adias. Or Mike Von Erich, yep. uh, black, you know, a one man gang got kind of got to run there, but a Dingo Warrior, but he was green yep. as shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it was again too little, too late. If they and- expanded, if if they expanded and the money came in, as they as as many expected it to, they would have been able to compete, and and I'm not saying they would have you know lasted forever. But they would have been able to compete. They would have been yeah. And and then there's the motorcycle accident with Kerry Von Erich in '86. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just just one thing after the next, it was snowballing, which is yeah. why th- that movie is going to be so interesting. Um, here, we, here here we see yeah. some tension now with with Hayes Uh-oh. and Von Erich. They've both, he had uh, his foot on the rope. Yeah. The boot on the rope. Uh, he's not defending Flair. Now he's being a the... real. I like that though. He was calling it down the middle, and then uh, here we get the the infamous spot. Correct? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It looks like they kind of fucked it up there a little bit. You know, Hayes. No, Hayes, it's coming next. It's coming next. Yeah. They're, okay. Yeah. They're yeah. they're build they're building up to it. They're they're kind of yeah. giving us a tease. That was a little bit of foreshadowing. It's like Terry yep. Gordy's going to open the cage for him. Yep. And you see, you see, Hayes is trying to. Hayes is now more involved. The other referee's just kind of there. Um, yeah. But Hayes has really gotten himself involved, like, almost too much. Like, now it's become a yeah. distraction. Right. You know? 
And now, oh, now he's now he's hot. Boom! Now I'm mad. Right hand to Flair shoves the other referee, and he's like, "Get him! Put the cover on! I'll count it! What are you doing? You know?" Uh. And Kerry don't want to win it that way because that's the Texas thing to do. Oh, Gordy got the door open. We're getting ready. Shoves him again. And now he's leaving. Wow. He's like, ah, fuck this. I'm out of here. I tried to help you. You didn't Don't want to do it the free no bird extra. way. Don't be asking me for no extra pills later. Oh, oh. I like that. Oh, God, that looks solid. And we see the blade job. Yep. See, now because we're looking wow. for it. That looked brutal, though. Yes. Yes. Worse than when, I don't know, Flair getting his head smashed by uh, Perfect years later was pretty brutal, too. That was, too. But I just, actually, you know, I just watched that recently. They had a stopper on the door for that. Oh, fuck. Like well, that, that looked good, really. Oh. Yes. Michael Michael Hayes counting that extra count there, three. Yeah. <laughs> Raising the hand of oh, David Manning calling the match off. So another schmoz finish, dusty finish, if you will. But look at you know what? I want you to I want you to take a look at something. Look at the audience. Look how Fuck, fucking they are in arms. Look how hot they are over that finish. Like that's like I said, it go. It's a testament to the how those boys were portrayed to them, and the, and the fact that they were locals. It made you feel like you were, like 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 you were part of that family. Like you were robbed of something. You know what I mean? Like very, you see a couple very of guys in the so. front row really. Giving it to to Hayes and Gordy as they were walking out. That is that is something that still does exist with uh, local promotions. Uh, you get you get a couple of people that constantly go to weekly shows and they just get behind the homegrown talent there. Mm-hmm. Um, M- MCW was a place like that, um, and Austin Theory uh, he was pretty over in MCW. And, yeah. uh, I mean, it's just amazing to see that I saw him at a homegrown level, uh, like coming up and then now just to see him on the big stage, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I've been to a few indie shows locally in Connecticut, Northeast wrestling being the, the, the big promotion locally in the Connecticut, New York, um, you know, upstate New York area. And, uh, yeah, they got. I've I've been to a couple of shows, um, and they got. You know, the people are still behind the locals. You know, it's it, they still yep. in, they still get engaged. And I think that's a good thing. It's not just yeah. you know a bunch of young smart mark fans trying to trying to call out the magician on stage for the well the, that the magic that shows trick. you that the art of wrestling is, is still alive and well. Oh yeah, oh yeah, hundred percent. People want to be in. People want to be engaged. People want to um, to to cheer and boo, you know, some, some want to cheer and boo who they like, but some people just want to get caught up in it. Um, yeah, without having to read sure. all the, the bullshit online. So, um, that's how I am at this point. Um, I, I've kind of stayed away from rumors and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. but most of the year that we've seen in 2022 has all been backstage things that are bigger than what was on TV. Yep. Minus the minus the uh, change in guard of Triple H booking rather than uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah. But uh, we we see the end of this 
match coming here where it looks like Carrie Von Erich can finally get the victory. Uh, the Freebirds have left. Dave Manning has continued the match. Uh, there wasn't a fall made. Do you like steel cage matches where they have to pin each other or they have to escape? Or what, what are um, your preferences? Wow, David the, Manning calling the, the match there. Yeah. Sorry. No, that's okay. Yeah, he just called the match there. Carrie's unresponsive. I don't know why he's calling the match. Here's, here's the funny part about this. He's calling the match because Carrie's unresponsive. But Flair's been be- bleeding buckets for the last 20 minutes. I, and he didn't I call know. it then. And this this is something that would happen with Carrie Von Erich um, and Jerry Lawler, too. Uh, yeah. not, not necessarily unresponsive, but yeah. I, I never really liked the blood or you can't respond. And clearly that the, the, they can or the other person is more beat up angle. Like uh, we saw the match stoppage with John Moxley and uh, uh, Hangman mm-hmm. Adam Page. That was that was something necessary. And I thought maybe this is legit. part of the storyline. Yeah, but that was legit. That was legit. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, as far as your question, it all depends on the context of the story. You know, like I brought this point up um, a while back. Uh, there was there was a cage match in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, and there Ugh. it was it was following a match they had at WrestleMania where Brock just pretty much you know smothered Reigns, and I thought to myself, well. Brock Lesnar isn't the type of character where he's going to escape from a fight. He's going to exit the cage. So there has to be some kind of decisive finish with Brock and Roman. And they went with the spear through the cage, almost a Dusty-like finish, where Brock, his feet hit first. So it kind of saved face for Brock's character that he didn't have to get pinned and Roman was made into a monster as we see the Von Erich boys coming in to tend to, to carry. Um, and this would be off. We'd be Kevin off Von Erich stormed in the ring, took his shirt off. Like he was going to fight somebody. There's nobody the to fight in the ring. <laughs> yeah. Then shut the door. I want some privacy while I check out my brother with my shirt off and no shoes on. And like, no fucking shoes. That's so yeah. awkward. I know. I do not like the non wrestling boots. It just makes me uncomfortable. Like, if you're a chicken shit know. heel in a cage match, the escape route thing works. Because if you're a fucking, if, if, if you're, yes. if you're dodging yes. a fight and it's settled in a cage, then yes, the escape route works. But if it's two guys that are settling their differences in a cage and it's all about who's the better man, then it should pinfall, be a pinfall submission. submission. Yeah. Yeah. And you I know? get the I get the usage of having a top, like, like bad blood, the hell in the cell. That was the mm-hmm. perfect perfect storyline to have that uh, match set up um but yeah just to have it to have it just doesn't make sense i think there's a lot of things in wrestling that are just hot shotted now all the time Uh, we get casket matches out of nowhere um it's just like i don't know there's a lot that's missing um from the dance if you will yeah Oh wow! This is uh, 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 making the fans really suspend their disbelief. Yeah, is he okay? Yeah, they bring a doctor the, uh, in the uh, ring. They yeah. They- again, at the time though, th- I mean, I don't know if this many people know, but like people thought this shit was real too. Yes, still. Yes, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. You know, the the business was protected. The 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 business was protected. I mean, you see. 
You see the crowd. Look at him. They're, they're, they're clapping as they're escorting him out like like it would be in a sporting event when a guy's injured and they take him off the field or off the court. And or they're not doing it in an ironic way. No. Trying to just be on TV and stand in front of Dave the entire TV taping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. But, um, you know, let's we got about five minutes left in this watch along here. I want to ask you the question you know you, you we've kind of danced around it a little bit in this watch along but the downfall of the promotion you know you've said it had a lot to do with um the the landscape of wrestling um i think a big part of not expanding was 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 part of that there was a lot out there for the for the the wrestling eye to see the wrestling fans and their wrestling eyes but um do you think that the do you think that they that they ran too long with the Von Eriks, like in the promotion as like the main focal point? Because I feel like that the Fritz had pushed those boys to 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 be the golden goose to, to suicide. Oh. Well, I mean, all of them. Ki- <laughs> well, not all of them, but they had all died prematurely. Yeah, I, I pushed them to pre- death. Oh God, sorry. Yeah, they, they he pushed them too hard, uh, and like I said earlier, I think it was too little, too late. If you would have had Kerry Von Erich step away with the title around this time, and maybe carry it for six months, and uh, then probably lose it back, you might have had some some pop behind uh, WCCW. But the years after after trying to catch up with that, they were just floundering. Yeah, and 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 then things snowballed. With um, with bad luck or unfortunate deaths and uh, yeah, uh, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was yeah, it was unfortunate. What say you? All the way around. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I think, I think, I think those boys were pushed too hard. I think there was a lot of pressure on them from their father to be the stars and the main attraction and Fritz being a stubborn old man. He didn't want to evolve with the times. Um, I think a lot, honestly, I've, I, I've said this and it, it's to me, I think it's, it's a theory that hasn't been addressed enough, but I think a lot of the rift between the family, the boys and, and Fritz didn't so much have to do with their performances, but with, their philosophies on expanding. Fritz didn't want to expand. He wanted to stay local because he he knew, you know, he had a good thing locally. He didn't want to take a chance. Even though they were even though their show was pirated out of the Middle East, he didn't want to take a chance. And um, there's there's I been the, I think the I think the boys wanted the expansion because they knew it was going to it was going to be more opportunities for the company and more Correct. opportunities financially for them and Fritz kind of put the kibosh on that and I think there was a lot of tension between them over that. I agree and I think uh there has been talks of uh, essentially you know promoters back in the day they, they did make a lot of money but mm-hmm. a lot of the times um, they were robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah. So uh, to make that jump would mean that uh, uh, 
Von Erich could not fill his pockets to do whatever else he, you know, does on a smaller scale, regional mm-hmm. scale. Yep. Um, and a lot of that had to do with Jim Barnett losing GCW as well. So th- this time period, I think, from the 70s to that early 80s, these people are, these smaller promotions or or territories, if you will, are got a lot of money floating around. Yeah. So to make it official means you'll be losing or be accountable for a lot of that money. You yes. get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I get what you're saying. As we close out this uh, this watch along here, um, this was uh, this was interesting. Different, you know. I, first time I saw this uh, for the very first Same time. Same here. And uh, I, I did like the aspect of Michael P. S. Hayes in the match. I did too, um, and and the referee for some reason, as odd as yep. it was, it worked. Yeah, and look what it did! It launched one of the hottest angles in wrestling history. I mean, I wasn't alive when it was, you know, when this angle had transpired, um, and I didn't really get access to the Freebirds till probably um, the the magazines in like eighty six, eighty seven, the after mags. Same thing with the Von Erichs too, but. Um, I've gone back and watched some stuff over the years of their of their classic rivalry, and it definitely stands the test of time. And this was the launch of it uh, from this match moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was a fun little watch along, and uh, I mean, wow! So many years later, the anniversary of it as we're doing it, um, still still a hot little feud, and to have that match on Christmas, wow. You know, yeah. People people opened up presents and then got another surprise gift. Yes, yes. that, that, that that's would, so that cool. would have been kind of a cool era to live through, where like you go to like oh, you know you have Christmas or Thanksgiving, like even like with Survivor Series too, you have a holiday, you spend it with your family, and then you you head out in the early afternoon to the arena to, to go right? and watch you know go and watch wrestling. That'd be kind of cool to live through. Nowadays, like it's kind of hard because you know life you don't really see life. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Life think, is honestly, overbooked, pal. Yes, I don't think you could put wrestling on a holiday because I don't think it would draw really well. I really don't. No, um, I think I think back in the day, like we said, these these people had more of a, a personal uh, personal relationship with these territories. So, and, and it was kind of like a thing that people did. They didn't like watch wrestling on TV. They just went to the show every Friday. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, I love. I like that aspect. Yes, a, lo- a lost here. aspect. Same here. I agree. Um, well, uh, that's gonna that's gonna do it for this uh, for this episode and uh, for the. For we the won't rest be of the kicking year. out at two. We won't be putting this down for the count. We'll be slamming the cage door closed on it. We will. Yes, we definitely will. And uh, we'll be back in the new year with some more content, courtesy of Kobe and myself, for marking out the days. Uh, not sure what kind of ideas we're going to have, what kind of concept we're going to have, but uh, we're definitely going to be brainstorming and coming up with different ideas as to uh, to how we're going to present wrestling content, historical wrestling content, to all of you through the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So, Kobe, I think it's time we, uh, we slam that cage door shut. All right, dude, dude, dude. Thank you, everybody. 